You may be seated, and let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are so grateful for this space, for this day, for this time to celebrate the good news that Jesus has come and that he is coming again. And so, God, we ask now as we uh, enter into the story more deeply that you would make it fresh for us, make it new, and that you would remind us that this, this truly is the best news possible for humanity. That you took on the form, the person of a baby, that you became one of us to be with us, to be close. And in coming close to redeem and restore your creation, to make all things good and right again. We rejoice in this good news together this morning. Amen. All right, well, one of our, uh, first of all, um, my name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor here. One of our uh, sort of Christmas Eve traditions is to do story time with the kids. So if you are, I'll just say 12 and younger, come on up to the stage. You're going to sit with me over here. We're going to read a story. And uh, if, if they're feeling any trepidation, this is a great time to kind of give the kids a big round of applause so that they feel, they feel good. Just sit down. Hello. And also, parents, if you uh, want to join on stage, that's also totally fine. You're welcome up here, too. What's up, guys? You guys excited about Christmas? Okay, quick, uh, before we read the story, real quick poll. How many of you guys open uh, presents on Christmas Eve? Ooh. And how many of you are like Christmas morning is, is when we shred? All right. So about 50-50. Okay. That's good. That was a good, uh, good scientific poll there. All right. This year, our story is called The Story of King Jesus. And I'm, I'm not going to show the pictures to all of you, but you can follow along with us on the screen if you would like. It all began with God. God made everything you can see and even things you can't see. God made the world to be his home. Then God made the very first people so he could share his home with them. God gave them a beautiful garden to live in. He gave them a job to do. Take care of this good world and help him rule over it. See it? There you go. But they didn't listen to God. The very first people didn't like doing things God's way. They wanted to do things their own way. They wanted to be in charge. So they took what wasn't theirs. They tried to rule the world for themselves. And the very first people had to leave the garden that God had made for them. After this, everyone tried to do things their own way. From the very first people all the way to you and me. God's good world was broken. But God never stopped loving his people. And he promised to make the world right and good again so we could live with him and he could be our king. You see, God had a plan, and that plan started with a man named Abraham. God gave Abraham children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Abraham's family became a great nation, and God named them Israel. And God made Israel his chosen people. They would help him make the world right and good again. 
God went with Israel everywhere they went. When they were slaves in another country, God was with them. When they were treated badly, God rescued them. God gave Israel a home. He gave them laws to follow so they would know how to show their love for him and for each other. God also gave them a very important job to show the world what it means to be God's people. God told Israel, if you let me be your king, you'll have a good life. I will live with you and you will help me make the world right and good again. But Israel didn't listen. God's people were just like the very first people. They didn't want God telling them how to live. They wanted to do things their own way. God's people didn't want God to be their king. Instead, they wanted their king, they wanted their king to be a person just like them. So God let Israel have a king. Then another king and another. Some kings were good, most were bad. The kings did mostly whatever they wanted. They didn't want God to be in charge. So they took what wasn't theirs, they ruled Israel for themselves and not for God. They did things their own way. So God sent prophets to remind the kings and their people that there was only one true king. There was only one true God. But the kings and the people wouldn't listen, so they had to leave their home. Other nations came and conquered Israel, and they carried God's people away. And then, years went by. People didn't hear from God like they used to. Instead, they heard only silence until something new happened. God still had a plan, and he sent someone special. God sent someone who would rule the world as king, but this person wouldn't rule like the kings of Israel. This person would rule the way that God wanted. God sent his only son, Jesus, his chosen one, to rescue Israel and make the world right and good again because God still had a plan. When Jesus grew up, he did good things everywhere he went. He healed the sick, he fed the hungry, he rescued people from all sorts of problems. Jesus did everything God wanted. But some people still didn't want to do things God's way. They didn't want Jesus to be their king. They wanted to be in charge of themselves. You guys hearing a theme here, a pattern? <laughs> so one day, some powerful people decided to stop Jesus before he could take away their power. They arrested Jesus. They took off his clothes. They nailed him to a wooden cross. They watched him die. But Jesus never fought back. He never raised a sword. He never even raised a finger. The powerful people thought they had won. They thought they had beaten God's chosen one. They thought they had stopped Jesus from becoming king. But there was something they didn't understand. Jesus didn't have to die. Jesus chose to die for the powerful people and for the very first people and for all of us too. Jesus, the one true king, died in our place. He died to make the world right and good again. But no one understood. Then God did something wonderful. The same God who made the world, rescued Israel, and sent Jesus, he did the most wonderful, surprising thing of all. God raised Jesus from the dead. But Jesus didn't just rise from the dead. He defeated death so it wouldn't have power over us any longer. Jesus made it possible for us to be God's people again. He made it possible for us to live the way God wants. 
God gave us the king we needed. God gave us Jesus, a king who loves, who forgives, who changes everyone who comes to him. Our king also gave us a job to do. Love each other with all we've got. Did you hear that? That's our job. Love each other with all we've got. That's how we show God's love to everyone else. For now, the world is still broken. We still take what isn't ours. We don't always love each other the way God wants us to. But someday, Jesus, our King, is coming back. He will make the world right and good again. He will make the world his home again, and it will be a place where we love each other the way God loves us. God will live with us, and we will help him rule the world, and he will be our king forever. The end. Good job, guys. All right, you guys can go back to your seats. Uh, If you have a Bible, you can meet me in Luke chapter 2. And, I mean, that book is kind of the whole deal, right? So I don't have a lot left to say um, after that, (laughs) which maybe is is very good news for all of us. Uh, But I do have a couple of thoughts here on Luke chapter 2 as we wrap up uh, Advent this year and celebrate Christmas together and get ready for uh, get ready for a new year believe it or not it is going to be 2024 here in not too long so Luke chapter 2 and thank you again to the son family for uh, reading a good chunk of that um, story earlier Luke chapter 2 this is where the angels appear to some shepherds Right, And then the birth of Jesus happens and uh, all kinds of interesting things uh, going on around that. So let's take a look at a couple of those things here as we get ready for communion. And then we're going to close our time together singing some songs with our candles, uh, our glow sticks lit up, and it'll be a great time. All right, the angel. This angel shows up and speaks to the shepherds uh, this statement, right? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. That will cause great joy for all the people. I bring you good news. The Greek word here is euangelion, good news. And it is a word that was used at that time to make a pronouncement about some significant uh, big-time breaking news sort of event. Euangelion. There's been a big military victory. There's a new king. We're inaugurating a new leader. Whatever it is, these large-scale, life-altering moments were called good news moments, euangelion moments. Over time, that word evolved in English into this word gospel. Gospel, if if you break it down, it's kind of an old English word that literally means good news. A gospel was a proclamation, something big has gone down. Right? A proclamation of good news. The gospel, the Christian gospel, is the announcement that God is with us. That salvation is here, that as we just read, Jesus is king. And so if this is true, if this is true, if this gospel announcement of good news is true, if right relationship with God and with each other is really possible, then there are massive implications for us personally 
but also massive implications for us communally, globally, cosmically. And so I want to take just a moment and kind of look at those two different dimensions, the personal dimension and then the global dimension. There is a deeply personal dimension to this good news. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A Savior has been born to you. This one verse, this one verse loaded with king language. Savior, Messiah, Lord, born in the town of David, the greatest of Israel's kings. As we saw in the book, right, most of the kings were not good. David considered one of the, the good kings, the greatest of Israel's kings. This announcement is, hey, this child who has been born is not just a good teacher. It is not just a, a uh, super moral person. It is not just a religious leader or a guru. This is a king. This is a king. In fact, this is the king. The Jesus gospel is that this king is for us, to you, given to you. This king is with us, this king knows us, this king cares about us, this king loves us. We can feel, I think, pretty disconnected at times from political leaders. That feeling was, I think, even more magnified at this time where the people of Israel are living under Roman, the, the, the rule of the Roman Empire. And, and part of what is fascinating about the story is that this angel speaks the to you to shepherds. And so if you have kind of the Roman Empire, uh, a Roman emperor up here at the top of the hierarchy, the shepherds are at the absolute bottom of that. These are the outcasts. These are the shifty, untrustworthy characters in the story. And the angel shows up and says, this king is for you, is given to you. This is the personal dimension of the good news. You have a savior. You have a king. You are loved concretely and specifically. In all your uniqueness and, and weirdness, you are loved by this king. And there is nothing that you have done that can separate you from this king's love and grace and forgiveness. A writer later in the New Testament trying to give some language to this says, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ Jesus our Lord is King Jesus, nothing can separate us from his love. Now, at the end of the story in Luke chapter 2, we read this amazing little sentence about Jesus' mother, Mary. All this goes down, Mary, it says, treasured this up in her heart. Treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. And so as we consider the personal dimension of the gospel, that Jesus is for you, 
My question for you this morning is, have you treasured that and pondered that in your heart? Like Mary. Have you considered this truth that the king and creator of the universe who holds all things together, who sustains all things, who has made us and knows us in this deeply personal way, This king loves you, knows you, desires you, forgives you, welcomes you. Have you pondered that truth, received that truth, accepted that truth, treasured that truth? So there is this personal dimension to the good news proclamation that Jesus is king. But there's also this global or cosmic dimension as well. Luke chapter 2 opens with a big world-changing event. A census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Jesus is born at a globally significant time. Back to verse 10 for just a minute. This good news is for all people, the angel says. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Finally, in verse 14, and here's, here's one of those moments where I actually love the older language of the, the King James or the New King James. Angel <clears throat> closes this good news announcement by saying, on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Men here, of course, meaning humanity, human beings. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. The good news of King Jesus is absolutely for you individually, but it also changes everything for all of us, right? It is inclusive of all the people. It transforms you and your life, but it also changes everything. Because Jesus is king, we can have peace with God, us and God, but we can also have peace between each other. Right relationship with God, but also with each other. Healing for, for my transgressions, but also the healing of the nations. This one can be a hard one to wrap our minds around and believe if you read the news. It should not be lost on us, though, that this baby was a Palestinian Jew. That this baby was born in a time of global shifts. That this baby was born into a world torn apart by war. I, I love this uh, picture. Is, is that picture there, Jason? Uh, it's called Jesus in the Rubble. And it's this reminder that Jesus was not born in a time of peace. A time free of conflict. And I think it also speaks to the truth that uh, Jesus is king, is still king, even in times and moments and places where it feels like that's anything but the truth. I think this is part of the like, faith aspect of receiving the good news. That even though there are other people in power and other forces that seem to be winning, Jesus is king. 
that again, as we read, he's in this process of making the world right and good again. And it's faith because, again, it doesn't always look like this is true. It doesn't always look like his kingdom is winning, is breaking into our world. And yet this is what we celebrate on Christmas and during the Advent season. The revolutionary announcement that Jesus is king. In your, in your life, in your story, in your struggles, Jesus is king. In modern day Palestine and Ukraine and Davis, California, Jesus is king. The one holding it all together, making the world right and good again. This is not a naive posture. This is not a let's, let's sing some songs and, and have some lights and just pretend like nothing bad is happening in the rest of the world. No, this is actually, I think, a deeply defiant statement. Jesus is king. This is a subversive proclamation. Jesus is king. This is a radical, faithful proclamation. Jesus is king. So there's this personal dimension to the good news. This king is for you. Have you treasured and pondered that? And then as you think about our, our world, our city, the brokenness that we see all over the place, if you scroll the news, Do you trust this? Do you hope in this truth that Jesus is king? As we get ready for uh, the communion table, I want to invite you to stand. Um, and I'll have the, the worship team come back here um, and get ready to go. What we're going to do to get ready for the table today is we're going to read together some passages of Scripture out loud. These uh, truths, right, these proclamations of the good news of Jesus. After we read these, um, we're going to just take a moment. Everyone's going to come and get the elements for communion, that cracker representing Jesus' body broken for us, the juice representing his blood poured out. I want you to grab those elements and then take them back to your seat. And then in, uh, after everyone gets them, we're going to come together and, uh, and take them uh, communally. We're going to do communion communally. How about that uh, this morning? Um, then... Uh, we're going to turn the lights off. You can crack those glow sticks. And as we sing the last two songs together, I want to invite you to come down, actually, into the, like, kind of fill in the lower section here. Um, again, we sing these songs. We take communion. We declare Jesus is king, not in the spirit of sentimentality or, you know, again, trying to pretend and push out all the other stuff that is going on, but as this great truth that Jesus is king in all of that. Jesus in the rubble. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Do you hope in that? Let's read these words together. First from Colossians 1. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, 
whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And then from John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let me pray, and then as Heath plays uh, for us, um, come and grab the communion elements. Heavenly Father, We rejoice and celebrate in the good news that Jesus is our King. I pray now that we would ponder and treasure this in our hearts, the personal dimensions of this good news. How how the truth that Jesus is King can transform and change us from the inside out. Maybe also there'll be a community that ponders and treasures what this means for all of us, for creation, for your worlds. For the hope that even in the midst of darkness, there's light. That that light invades the darkness and overcomes it. We need this good news desperately in our world. And so may we do our little part here to love each other with all we've got and to point towards the good news that Jesus is our King. Amen.